You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to Trek FM's local watering hole, the 602 Club. Uh, I am your host here, Matthew Rushing. So excited to be here. And uh, Christy is away this week. And so I am very excited to welcome back to the 602 Club. Uh, His stool is so glad to have his butt back in it. John Mills. Everybody's glad to have my butt back, Matt. And thank you for having me. (laughs) That's America's ass. (laughs) Um, hey, you know, I was a little offended that they gave that moniker to Captain America, but I understand it was for dramatic intent. So that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Did you have to sign anything? Did they have to like, you know, get your permission? Uh, You know, I'm not allowed to comment. The lawsuit's still pending, but uh, I'll let you know how it turns out. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, yeah, no offense to Chris Evans, but you know, John Mills is where it's at. Um, you can <laughs> find us everywhere you get your podcast to. Uh, if uh, you are on a podcatcher, make sure you type in the 602 Club and subscribe. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, give us a star rating and review and let people know what you think of the show. In fact, I don't know. Uh, by the time people hear this show, we could have the actual Apple Podcasts app for Mac soon. So, yes, Apple Podcasts is where we would love to get your um, thoughts, your uh, star rating, and your review. And uh, when you do that, we read your thoughts on, on the show uh, to thank you for doing that, helping other people find it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TrekFM. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. There's the listeners-only discussion group uh, that you can join listeners from all over the world who are listening to Trek FM and what they're talking about on the shows. It's called the Babel Conference. Uh, type Babel into that search field there on Facebook, and you'll find it. Uh, also, if you're on our website at trek.fm, hit discussion on any of the show pages. There's a little button that says discussion, and that will let you in as well. Uh, want to th- give a huge thank you to our associate producers here, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Wyam Millette, and Daniel Noah, for supporting the show through Patreon each and every week. They make sure that the quality content that comes to you through the 602 Club and every other show here on the network does keep coming. Um, this is a massive network, and you know if you're in the know about what's coming out in Star Trek-wise, we've got more podcasts that'll be coming because of everything that's happening there with Star Trek, like Picard with our new uh, The Line uh, podcast. You know, we've got The Edge for Discovery and everything else in between. So if you love what we do, we definitely need your help. Uh, we encourage you to go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can support the show and become part of the team. Um, there's some great contribution levels, too, where you can get some even better perks that come along with those different levels. But honestly, every little bit helps. So we encourage you, again, go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team. Uh, so, John, we have talked about, I think it was uh, Justice League War, uh, and that was last year we did the the animated series, and that kind of kicked off um, the uh, animated movies universe where they were kind of following the new 52 con- um, continuity. And mm-hmm. so we kind of thought it would be fun to dive back into that a little bit. And 
we're going to do part one of a story. Um, we'll do part two probably early next year, hopefully. Um, so you'll have to wait to see what happens. But this is the death of Superman. And so I wanted to ask you, because it was such a seminal comic, uh, did you read that when it came out? And what impact did that have on you? Because you know, I know back in the day, you used to be more of a comic reader. Yeah, Death of Superman happened right around the time that I was starting to phase out of comics. By that point, I was very much a dedicated Dark Horse Comics fan. Uh, by and large, I I love their Star Wars work, and I love their Aliens work, and I even love their Predator issues and stuff like that. Dark Horse was doing some really crazy stuff, and so I was much more into the Dark Horse line back then. Uh, when Death of Superman came out, my brother has been the the comic book collector I've known all my life. And it was a huge deal to him. And for me, it was interesting and intriguing. I was skeptical from the beginning that Superman would ever stay dead. And I remember that even back then, the discussions could get heated about you know how permanent death is as a concept in comic books. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess it's a long-winded way of saying I was very much aware of it, and I read the series, but it was sort of not an urgent matter for me. I was along for the ride, but not uh, chomping at the bit, as it were. So, you know, when you got a chance to to kind of read the whole thing, what did you, I mean, end up thinking of this kind of, I mean, because this is, this was a momentous thing in comics, the fact that they would, you know, kill the original superhero. Yeah, I will admit that the way that it happened did not have the dramatic effect that I think they would have hoped. Uh, I remember the the big splash page, you know, showing that final shot between the two of them and it talking about how it shattered windows and those sorts of things. I can actually still picture it in my brain, uh, recall it very easily. And I remember that my reaction was a little bit underwhelmed by how it happened. I was expecting something. It's not even that I was expecting anything. I wasn't expecting anything in specific, but the moment that it actually happened, my reaction was more along the lines of, oh, okay. As opposed to, oh gosh, wow. It. So I, I guess it missed the mark with me a little bit. Yeah, this is... Uh an interesting one for me because I didn't grow up reading comics. Um, it just wasn't something that I, I did. Uh, and I, I grew though to love comic book characters through film. And so, you know, I, I mean, I remember back in the nineties, the you know, being so excited the Batman forever was coming out, you know, kind of being caught up in that kind of craze. Mm-hmm. That happened um, as as comic book characters really started to come back, and it wasn't until I would say probably about uh, about nine years ago that I really started to get interested in the idea of reading the comics themselves. You know, going back and 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 part of that I think was around the time that uh, Superman Returns was coming out, hmm, and okay. um, really. 
something happened where I like really started to cement my love for comic book characters and Superman in general. Just finally, he just became the one, you know, like my favorite. Um, and also at that time, if I remember correctly, Final Crisis was happening you know, for the DC universe at that mm-hmm, point. So mm-hmm. that was a big deal. And then Batman died um, in that series, you know, and he doesn't really die, you know, spoiler alert for a 15 year old <laughs> series. Uh, right. But, you know, he, he gets uh, transferred back to the past, like so far back in the past that it's like cavemen. Um, and so reading that, and then at that point, um, I decided to, I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time, which is where I kind of got the interest in comics. I was around a lot of people that read comics and, uh, we could, you know, every Christmas time we got a really good discount, uh, and Mm. even better than normal. Uh, And so I went and bought the death and return of Superman, the omnibus, which is a really nice version Mm -hmm. that I still have, uh, of that because I knew it, you know, it's kind of a seminal work in comics and read through the whole thing. And, you know, it was something that I really enjoyed. And I think what happened with that is that it, it just kind of catapulted me into really enjoying comics and really getting into them more fully. And, um, you know, I, I started being a more avid reader. Now I, I mean, I've been reading DC comics continuously since, uh, the new 52 began. And uh, I've also gone back and read a lot of other of the the big works like, uh, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, the George Perez run, a lot of that for Wonder Woman, you know, the big Batman runs like, uh, you know, Hush and those kind of things, you know, just um, trying to kind of enjoy educating myself on all that. And so Superman, uh, the death and return of Superman became something that kind of really brought that to fruition for me as as something that I really found I liked doing. Um, So it didn't quite, I don't think, have the impact that it probably had for a lot of comic readers then that were truly, you know, engrossed in Mm -hmm. this. Um, But I think it's so interesting that it's still this thing that people have been talking about for a long time and i think i feel like it really kind of kicked off the idea for major comic book licenses to say oh we can kill off our main characters now you know so so long as there's the implied promise that they'll come back eventually absolutely well and i think that's the thing too is that and i think you're right in calling out you know the the questions you had you know how long would they actually stay dead and this was was actually the the first instance of killing off somebody and not necessarily knowing if they would return, you know, because that's not part of the zeitgeist yet of like these characters just die and keep coming back. You know, this is the first time the the biggest character ever dies. And the question is, will he return was still very yeah. much in people's minds, you know, and it could be argued. Whereas nowadays it's like, oh, well, you know, Wolverine died, but he's already back now. Yeah, I would, uh, you know, I'll give them credit at least that they didn't go straight into a resurrection arc that they had the reign of the Superman afterward. They And they had some interesting titles that came out of that. And um, Steel, which of course led to yeah. uh, Shaq starring in a movie of the same name, 
which I still haven't seen, but is still, you know, a great cultural touchstone to know that uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal has a Superman inspired story out there on the silver screen. So dreams do (laughs) come true, kids. Um, Yeah. You know, Marvel had killed um, characters every now and then, but they were never uh, to, to your point. They were never the marquee character that Superman was. Superman is comic books in a lot of ways. And the fact that they were willing to at least do the experiment, I guess it's a shame. I think that it didn't happen a little bit earlier or not earlier, but that I wasn't more into comic into mainstream comics at the time, Mm -hmm. because I have a feeling that it probably would have had more of an impact on me if I hadn't already started. I had already started my very long, slow process of divorcing comics you know, sort of like that daily buy sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, the long, slow defeat. So. Yes, basically. Yeah. So kind of the idea of then creating this icon in film, they had already done this in an animated movie form. Did you ever see Superman Doomsday that they put out uh, years no. back? Okay. So that they... It, they put both parts together. They changed a lot of stuff. It's only 77 minutes long. And, you know, the main complaint from everybody was like, why are you going to do this if you're going to try and cram so much story together and not really do it justice? Mm-hmm. And so they come back now and say, well, we'd like to try this again, basically, and get it right. Do justice to the comic. So kind of coming into this, having read the comic and not having seen the other version, and of course the only other version of this existing in film is, I guess, you know, Batman v Superman having some aspects of the, you know, the death of Superman. Um, How did you think, you know, this works when you kind of think back to the original, you know, comic run? Uh, I I, I thought it was interesting the way that they updated it. Um, and the way that they made it more in keeping with the current continuity uh, in a lot of ways. And I, I thought that there were the nod that they had towards Steel was very clever. And I liked the way that they portrayed the Superman Luther relationship in this uh, version of things. And I even liked the fact that they worked in a nod to. Uh, the original Superman movie by Richard Donner uh, with that exchange between uh, Lois and Clark where she says, I've got you. And he says, but who's got you? Um, I thought that was cute. Uh, And so, you know, I thought, I thought it was an interesting uh, approach to it. uh, The way that they went about it to, you know, to, to bring it in, you know, having seen the doomsday version I can say wholeheartedly, I mean, this is so much better. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's a much better representation of the spirit of the comic. I think one of the things that they don't do is just do a straight up adaptation. Um, You know, that they allow this, like you said, to be in the continuity with the rest of the movies. I think that really makes a big difference because it helps because you know and everybody who's been watching these those relationships that they've been watching between the characters all matter you know and yeah. you bring that into the story um but i just think too allowing the death of superman 
that part of the story to stand alone. I mean, obviously, this is it's connected to the reign of the Superman, you know, like because that's the second part to the story. But that there mm-hmm. truly is a first part and a second part to this. You know, it, it's it reminds me of you know, uh, and I. I don't love Infinity War, but it's really a first part to the second part, you know, like it and they're distinct. And yes, but they go together at the same time, you know, Um, and so you do need to have one part and then you need to have the next part, you know. So that's kind of where I felt like they they just kind of truly realized this this part of this story deserves to stand on its own section before you try and cram in everything else. That way you can... I think the story works best when you can kind of feel what happens in this movie as compared to immediately, you know, rolling into the next part. In the same way that, again, I think Infinity War wanted you to feel what happened at the end of Infinity War and then have to sit with that for a while before you go to the next part. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I mean, I... The the one thing that I think is where Infinity War excelled was it it's all wrapped up it's done at the end, and even though you knew there was another one coming, it very much had the sense of you know a, a completeness to it to that arc. The thing that I think works a little bit against this uh, throughout it is the knowledge, the history. You know that this isn't a permanent thing, and so I think that works against it um much the same way for you know for you infinity war like you knew there was going to be end game we didn't know it was going to be called end game but you know you came out of infinity war like well i know there's going to be another one and so that can work to undercut the 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 arc a little bit and i think that there is um another thing is that the way that they specifically ended this was too aware of the fact that it was going basically it has essentially a coda that I think would have been left better for the beginning of the next film. I, I understand we all know this isn't a final contained story, but that's no reason not to play by the rules of having it seem like there's no question that this this is the end for the characters who are in it. You know what I'm saying? Where it's something where the the final shot that they have in the movie betrays that there's no finality to this. And so I think that's that that just for me will always whenever a movie does that, it occurs in that awkward area where I it's it's like a magician's trick. I'm agreeing to allow you to lie to me. So don't spoil the effect by not honoring that agreement. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, I think it does. Um because I'm trying to think for me, you know, I think the, the maybe it's because this story has been with me longer. Uh, where I think it it felt like it worked better in that sense because I could f- I could I could go with the emotion instead of just wondering how they're going to get themselves out of it, you know, uh, because mm. I know what's coming, you know, so I can 
sit in this part of the story. Whereas like with Infinity War, I had a harder time sitting with that part of the story just because I'm like, oh, how are they going to get themselves out of this? Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense or if it just feels like a double standard, which it could be. And I could, you know, so. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, even trading uh, because at the end of this and I'm presuming we're OK with going sort of a full spoiler attitude with this uh, when the ship activates and then you see the silhouette of his body, you know, flying away. You can even turn it just a little bit and have the ship go over and it's on automatic control and it exhumes his body and then flies off because then there's more of a question of right, right. What's going on here? The ship has done something. He's not necessarily alive. That sort of thing. No, I, I do. I, I mean, and I, I can completely concede the point to you in the sense that I understand what you're saying. 100% 100% and and I I I don't think that there isn't a reason to allow it just to sit you know and just be okay with you know ending at the funeral kind of thing like you know you don't have to put anything else on this you know like allow people to get emotional and want to cry cuz superman died and instead of like then tipping the point to the, the next part of the story already. But, you know, to sort of give back to you here and say that we all know this story so well by this point that I could I can completely understand the filmmaker's decision to say, yeah, OK, we all know, you know, let, let's not let's not dither with this. Uh, and, you know, let's just acknowledge that we all know. And it and it, it's one of those things where. I really think that it's possible that doing something called the death of Superman, I think even if you did something as simple as call it the end of Superman instead of the death and know that your touchstone is the death of Superman, but know also that end can have that slightly squishier feeling to it because death for all of us is a very final thing. And so if you're not going to go final with it, even just changing the title to the end of Superman, the ending works that much better because mm-hmm. it it is the end of Superman, but that doesn't mean that there can't be a new beginning. How did, how did you feel about just, I mean, because one of the things that's so interesting about the comic is how there is the, the death of Superman comic is so, big it's so splashy and it's it's not Mm -hmm. really heavy on story uh in the sense of there's a meteorite thing that lands you know uh Mm -hmm. and it turns out to be doomsday and he basically makes he wrecks havoc from the country to metropolis and that's it whereas with what they do with the movie here they're kind of weaving more of the story points together of mm-hmm. the continuity and the character development and all that before we get to, you know, 20 minutes of battle between the Justice League and them getting taken out and then Superman battling. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good impulse that they followed too. And adding in these other characters, it's really a tricky line because I really think this is something where it could have been about 10 minutes longer probably Mm, just to 
further establish how strong these other characters were because I know that the way that Doomsday deals with them from a structural sense is pretty good because we see them in action with Superman and so we see Superman as the top of the the heap there but we also see that the Justice League is capable on their own it's not this sense of they would have called them in because they can't ever handle their own problems that there is this escalation sense of wow we're we're all powerful in our own right and he's already whooping up on us we everybody your day off is canceled come in as quickly as you can sort of thing so i think that does you know that is good but i would have preferred more build uh with that mm-hmm. um and i think it would have um it, the difficult, the very difficult thing is, you know, I adore Batman. I love Batman. Batman's my guy. But in a situation like this, I almost think they should have had something where Batman had the flu or something because <laughs> to see him fighting against Doomsday, they follow this terrible comic book fan impulse of. Cyborg's getting his butt handed to him. Wonder Woman's getting punched into the ground. Flash can't even outrun the punches from Doomsday. But Batman's going to throw his bat bombs and he's going to get away every time. And it's because you know that if Batman takes a single punch from Doomsday, he's going to, you know, explode like a tomato. So in that sense, it almost (laughs) seems like there would have been a better impulse to have Batman fall back and say, yo, can't do it. Um, can I just be an advisory capacity here? Like, and advise Superman. Right. Right. Yeah. Have, have him in some sort of like mecha suit off to the side advising him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's his weak point. Come in and, you know, so, and have more of a, a teamwork aspect like that so that you can see that they're friends and they work really well together, but acknowledge that Batman is simply a dude in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I agree with you. And, and I think I was watching, this and my my wife was watching with me and and there is that moment when they're all fighting together and and superman's already taken off and she's like superman would have already gotten there by this point um because you know the justice league is just getting their butts handed to them and um i i the thing i really thought was was special about the way that they they craft this story is that you know they they tell the story that lois doesn't know who superman is yet and so mm-hmm. they use that as the excuse to have Superman not be there for a while, which I think mm-hmm. is such a strong moment because then it allows that that death of him to mean so much more to her, but then even to the audience because you've experienced the moment where Superman is, you know, Clark has confessed who he is to her and he's 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 laid his heart out there. He's even said I love you in a note when he leaves and then she watches the man that she's in love with as well, who's just confessed the biggest secret in the planet, that watches him die. And I, I think they do such a good job with crafting the story there, character-wise, before we get to the fights, so that you it's not just about things punching each other in animation, you know, and buildings mm-hmm. collapsing and all that stuff. Like, this, this is... I felt like they did a very good job trying to find all the humanity in the story before you mm-hmm. get to a lot of punching. Yeah, and and I think that the it it is something where that sort of arc and having 
Ma and Pa Kent, you know, meet Lois for the first time and have an acknowledgement that, you know, they're all not saying everything and you're in on it with them and you understand why they're not saying anything, but you also understand Lois's, uh, you know, being upset about the fact that they're not saying they, she knows that they're hiding something, but what is it? What could it possibly be? So, yeah, I, I think that one of the nicer things too was working in the character who had the restaurant. Um, yeah. From the comic was, yeah, yeah it, it was sweet and it was touching because I, and that, that's something as well where, this movie has a lot of good initial impulses and carrying him through uh, all the way to the end was a wise decision because I think that the Lois relationship is very important, but having that human character who relates to Superman that shows that Superman has humanity is all that more important because it's not just Superman is just nice to other superheroes and his girlfriend it's that Superman is just an all-around nice guy who's, you know, a kind and decent person to everyone. Yeah, there. I mean, there's even uh, there's that funny moment where uh, him and Lois walk out of Cad, or uh, not Cadmus. Um, they walk out of Star Labs, you know, because he's introduced her as Lois Lane, uh, mm-hmm. and him as Superman to in the world to his parents, you know, uh, of Jor-El and Laura. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Kryptonian artificial intelligence that helped kind of raise him as, you know, he was flying towards mm-hmm. Earth. Uh, and then they walk out and, you know, that lady walks by and she's like, looking good, Superman, you know, like, and so mm-hmm. you see that, like, he has this, even at, as, a, as a person who's removed from them, he's in a suit and a cape and all that. There, there is this humanity where people treat him as one of their own even though he mm-hmm. is alien and different. And so, and, and like you said, I think, you know, having the the owner of the bar uh, be that connection to him, and, and it's part of what they did in the comic too. That's why they had that character as well, because it, it kind of drove home. It's not just Lois and Jimmy and stuff that'll be affected mm-hmm. by this. It's the, the people every day that Superman helps and interacts with and not just for saving them, but just, you know, being a person to them, you know, that they care about. And so, yeah, I really, I liked that. Um, you mentioned kind of the, 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 the whole point of the Justice League. I thought another important point was how they worked in Clark's struggle to let Lois in. And, you know, the Flash mm-hmm. is getting married and he's like, wait, she knows your secret, you know? And, and of course, um, the rest of them kind of like, n- you know, not not being as protective of their secret as Clark is, you know? Uh, there's mm-hmm. even the moment, too, with Diana where she's, she's like, uh, he's like, you called me Clark. You just called me Diana, but you want to be called Diana. You want to be called Superman? You know, like that whole yeah. dynamic. And I, I thought that was really nice because they they also do a good job of creating the dynamic of the Justice League together where it's this group of friends um, yeah. who just happen to be super uh, that have a life outside of being heroes all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, the one 
part of the showing his humanity impulse where they went too far, in my opinion, um, was when he's battling Doomsday and the little boy runs off looking for his uh, gaming, his handheld gaming device was so, so clumsily handled. Um, I can tell you as a father, not one child has their gaming device in their mind if something traumatic or terrifying or even the least bit scary is happening. They're staying next to their mother and or father, you know, like while something like that is going on. And I think that's just a that's a moment that should have been placed at some other point in the story, like the kids running out into traffic or something, which a kid would do because they're focused on getting something and Superman saves him. And then you can have that touching moment. But during that battle, it's just not right. And you don't even work. have to have the kid going for his gaming device. I completely agree with you. You could just have debris going to fall on the kid, you know, and Superman saves him. And yeah. then, you know, you have the hug moment. That works completely 100% better. I Because I, with the gaming moment, I was like, oh, my gosh, seriously, nobody. Right. Like, this is this is not a good moment. Yeah. it it And that's that's the thing that that is weird is the fact that, you know, to your point, they, they do this great job of constructing his humanity and his belonging. And then this one, they just overreach and it's, it's jarring. It's really jarring. Mm -hmm. It's, I can't imagine somebody writing the script. It didn't look at this or, you know, an editor or something, look at it and say, yeah, not this. Mm -hmm. No, no, this part we're not going to have in. Well, and I I really enjoyed too uh, the way in which you know you had, and I, I think you're right. That moment is so jarring because I feel like the rest of the movie they do such a good job throughout all these moments. You know, mm -hmm. when we're talking about Superman and his humanity, um, and one of the the moments, a couple of moments that stood out to me that I really loved about with him and the Justice League, uh, were the moment with him and uh. Diana when they are mm -hmm. practicing and they're having that you know they're practicing in the um the Hall of Justice and they're they're talking about um relationships and you realize that they're not really fighting a real that it's not a real thing it's just a simulation and they're having this whole conversation you know and they're playing with the idea that, you know, in the New 52, they had been in in a relationship and that it didn't last, but they've stayed friends. And they and like she's the one person that Clark feels comfortable enough to talk about this type of issue with. And it just created a very nice dynamic. I thought that was really well done. Uh, and then the moment with Batman, you know, uh, where everybody's getting their butt handed to them and he's like, we need you, Clark. Uh, and, you know. Bruce very rarely calls Clark Clark unless they're in, you know, what Batman would consider disguise, which is Bruce Wayne to Clark yeah. Kent. Um, but then that made the moment where he's standing there at the crater and his hand goes from the fist to the to open just so much more powerful because, you know, Batman doesn't show a lot of, mo of motion, but just that little bit of emotion in animation was the perfect way to show that there's a part of Bruce that just kind of broke there when his friend mm -hmm. died. And it's just that those kind of moments that they did with the justice league uh, and using them, I think to the full advantage they could was really great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and you know, I, I can't really 
add anything to that uh, because that is that was well handled and i think that um you know it was also nice i you know a character that kind of it all this reminds me once again of a character that sort of breaks my heart that he didn't get his due uh in justice league is cyborg because he's mm-hmm. such a rich character he's such yeah. a good character and the animated stuff you get you get those glimpses of that and it's just it it kind of hurts because you could do this character so well on on the big screen and everything and it's i'm glad he at least gets you know gets a little love here um and even martian manhunter and you know flash is always funny flash is a funny yeah. character so it was good to have him too well, and uh, when Hal Jordan, played by Nathan Fillion, they're walking away talking about the bachelor party and stuff, and he's like, now, Flash, there's times where it's not okay to be fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just So talking about the, the, the cast of characters that we have and their voice cast, how did, I mean, was there anybody that stood out to you here that you really enjoyed? I mean, obviously, we've, we've heard some of them before, but... Um, yeah, I just kind of wondered, you know, as you were watching this, I know you haven't seen as many of these as I have. So uh, if anybody kind of jumped out at you. Uh, you'll forgive me for not being able to call uh, names, but I, I thought whoever voiced Luther did really, really well. That's Rain Wilson. Really? From The Office. I saw his, I saw his name in the credits when I, uh, when I rented this. I had no idea that. Wow, that's a phenomenal job then. I'm even more impressed. Um, because it didn't sound like him. Like he, he's, he's become a utility voice at that point. That's well, great. And I thought I, I, I was going to ask you about him specifically because I feel like he plays the perfect Lex. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a great smarminess that comes through and there, even the points where Lex is being disingenuous, he's able to give voice to that that sort of wink at the audience of you can tell that facade when he's speaking at the funeral, you can tell how, how much of a liar Luther is just in the, in the vocal delivery. So yeah, that's, that's some terrific work. That's not to take anything away from anybody else. It's just that, you know, Luther jumped out at me. Uh, O'Connell was Superman, right? Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Yep. I, yeah, and he did, he did a fine job. I think the entire cast did a fine job, and I enjoyed, you know, the the vocalizations and stuff like that. But yeah, Rain Wilson. The fact that also I just figured out it is Rain, or that you just told me it's Rain Wilson. Uh, even higher marks for him. Just wow, stellar. Yeah, that's that's something that I remember when they cast him because he hasn't always played Lex, but there's something about his Lex that is just so perfect. I think you put your finger on it is the fact that he he comes across as being so disingenuously genuine, you know, like mm-hmm. if that's a thing, you know, like you yeah. know that he doesn't mean it, but like to people who aren't truly paying attention, they think he means it. Yeah. You can understand how he snows people. And uh, the 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 fact that they gave him a little love in the sense that from the comic, you know, at that point Lex Luthor has long red hair, so they even play with that moment where yeah. he's knock out. Um, that was great. Yeah. I mean, uh, that was great. Um, and I, you know, you mentioned Jerry O'Connell, and he's played Superman for a little while now. But I love too that they have you know Rebecca Romaine as his wife, uh, playing Lois Lane. And I feel like yeah. that really helped in their scenes and their chemistry together. 
Uh, it, it definitely, you know, comes through even in the animation. Um, I have to say, I love the fact that Matt Lanter is Aquaman. <laughs> so yes, that's of one course. of my favorites. Yeah. And then I think, you know, Jason O'Mara has been in a lot of things, but he does a very good job as Batman. Um, yeah, I does. think he's a very good Batman. So, well, I mean, especially considering whose legacy he's up against whenever he lends his voice, uh, the fact that he can do a Batman that is satisfying to longtime fans and authentic to new fans, I think is no small feat. You know, we've talked a little bit about it, but I felt like so some of these movies they do as standalones Mm -hmm. and some of them they have in kind of this continuity that they've started from justice league war and to me that the smartest part of all of this was that they allowed this to be in the continuity so that you took all of those feelings with you of all of these movies that you've been watching as all of these characters have been progressing with each other uh, so that you could feel, just like in the comics, you could feel that moment when Superman dies because you've been watching these movies, you know, for the last five or six years and these characters and their relationships actually mean something to you. That's the one thing, that's one of the things that I will actually wind up pinging it for, though, because while I agree with you and I have been agreeing with you that, you know, that those those dynamic relationships worked and they were good. There is still something about this that because it's worked into a continuity as somebody who has not watched all of them, somebody that doesn't really keep up with all of these things, it's not in any way hard to follow at all, but it is something where it is, I'm looking for the right word, but it's something where it 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 doesn't connect as strong. Like it's one of those things where I think I might have, for all of the pluses and minuses, I think that's why I'm saying I wish it had been ten minutes longer, because I think that they just presume that everybody who's been watching the entire series is who's watching this. And it's probably a fair presumption. I mean, they know who their audience is, but you know I'm a big proponent of your new audience should be able to jump in and not feel like they've missed anything of import. Whereas with this, there's more of a feeling of this is a season ender and I didn't watch the rest of the season, so it's good and I like it, but I don't have the same sort of, you know, like it's like Endgame didn't resonate with me the same way it did with, diehard Marvel fans, right? I liked Endgame. Thought it was good. I had a good time and everything. But then there are people who are, you know, Marvel is their their movie religion and Endgame was the greatest film that was ever created in history and until it was number one at the box office worldwide for all time, it was a great travesty of economics or something like that. You know you know what I'm saying? Where it's like... Yeah, no, I do. You know. 
No, I I think I and I actually would agree with you. I think you know you could have even had an extra ten minutes at the beginning to even further. I mean, because I think the moments they do have, like with him and Wonder Woman, are great, and you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the the round table with the Justice League, uh, and you know Clark trying to kind of come to some resolution on how he feels about Lois and what to do about that discussion. Um, you know, I think they could have done even more of those things to kind of connect you with those relationships uh, in a way that doesn't, you know, uh, mean that you had to watch all nine of those films that came before this one, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and feel like you were connected with that relationship. So I I agree with you. I, I as good as I think it is, I can totally see the point that somebody coming in would want just a little bit more of that. Um, I'm just glad their impulse wasn't to make this one of their, you know, disconnected, it's just a standalone thing, because I think in that you probably, you don't have as much, um, built up emotion for, for the fans. And, And I mean, when you're talking, you know, direct to, to home video anyway, I mean, you're really just getting the fans here, but I still think that your your point is really valid, and and I, I just even as a fan of seeing, I've seen all of these, the ones that come beforehand. I would have liked to have just had a little bit more of that too, because I love the the relationships that they've been able to create with these characters over those you know nine films, and now it's twelve because it goes all the way through Batman Hush. So, um, you know, it, I I I totally agree. Um, I wanted to ask you just one last thing, um, how, because we talked about kind of the way that this sets up and everything and, and how that works and or doesn't work, but how did you feel about the animation in this? I liked it. There, there's a certain anime feel to it. Like there, there's a real hybrid feel to this. Uh, there were moments where looking at the characters, I felt like I was watching an old Robotech episode. That's not an insult by any stretch, especially not for me. It was uh, pleasant. It was. I really think that um, this animation is sort of an exhibit in how the styles have blended and fed off of each other over time. I didn't think there was anything about it that was particularly award-winning phenomenal, but at the same time, I thought it was uh, an interesting, uh, you know, visual style, and it kept me engaged. I enjoyed them actually having the up those updated costumes uh, because I like those updated costumes uh, and I find them very, very interesting. And so, you know, visual style wise, it worked for me overall. I think there were certain moments during the action where it felt more, uh, more rough draft stage than uh, final draft stage. Um, just sort of like it could have maybe stood a couple of more passes for detail or something, but yeah, you know, overall it was good. Yeah. I'm with you in that. I like it. Um, and I, I've always enjoyed the new 52 costumes that they've used, you know, for, for these. Um, and it's fun that they've kind of fallen. They, they've, you know, they continued with those, even though, you know, rebirth's already been out. And now that they, uh, actually it's the death and, and, uh, of Superman and then the reign of the Superman. Uh, and then once they get to hush, um, they've, they've transitioned to the rebirth look. Um, mm. so, uh, you know, 
which isn't all that dissimilar from um, the New 52 in some ways, but like Superman doesn't have a collar anymore, um, and he still doesn't have trunks at that point. He just has a belt. But anyway, I digress. Um, I do think one of the things that I've noticed, I would love for them to kind of up the animation game just a little bit in the sense of like a little bit more detail. Uh, And I think... They actually, uh, and I say that, um, I've just seen, you know, Hush recently, and um, I'm not telling you to Hush, John, but um, <laughs> Batman Hush. Uh, and yes. that they, I feel like they did. I feel like they've upped the animation game. It looked a little bit richer. It looked like the the uh, shading work was even better, mm. um, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that they've kind of heard that from some of the fans and that, so I was really thankful. But for the most part, I think, you know, all in all, the, the animation is good, especially, again, when we are talking about direct-to-home video. And I think uh, on DVD, I was looking, this made over $900,000, which is not bad. Uh, and then with yeah. the Blu-ray sales, uh, the Blu-ray sales were over $5 million. So Wow. Yeah. So, you know, th- these don't do badly. Um, and I think part of that is because of the quality of the storytelling that you tend to get with these, because these are all people who love DC Comics. And they're yeah. mostly, tr- they are trying to give us a great adaptation of things that we love. So I guess it, I'm what I'm coming to is I'm wondering what you would rate this uh, as uh, the death of Superman. Uh, keep in mind that this is this... This rating brings in uh, some of the some of the structural things that I didn't care about. Um, I think that as a as a just a piece of entertainment to see, I'm giving it a two and a half. But that's not a bad rating. That's a that's a you know I, I give two and a half to plenty of things. It's a it's enjoyable, but it's not a I wasn't going to fall over myself to see it. But I would be very much put a little asterisk to that where I can completely understand why fans of the comics or even the series would respond to this uh, a lot better. Yeah, and I I think for me, um, you know, this is four and a half out of five. I really enjoyed this. And um, cool. I was really and I find I found myself um, emotionally invested even again rewatching it. Um, and just at those moments where you're kind of like, oh, 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 what is that? Oh, it's dusty in here. Um, you know, uh, just some of those moments with my favorite character and, you know, watching him do what he's always willing to do, which is lay down his life for others, you know? And, um, mm-hmm. I think that this movie, when it comes to the story of the death of Superman and trying to do justice to the comics and that, um, I think it's probably the best version of it that we've gotten, you know, um, it, just because it it it's truly when it comes to trying to do the comic, I think it's the best version of of that. Uh, I mean, it's way better cool. than Superman Doomsday was. So it's much <laughs> more fulfilling in that way. Just as a fan, so yeah, absolutely uh, love this one. I hope people t- check it out. And yeah, we will have to do the 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 reign of the Superman uh, in um, the. Um, uh, the new year to see what you think of that one. Um, I sure. do have to say we didn't mention, but just love Lex. 
to uh, that moment where he comes out and thinks he's going to save the city and then Superman has to save his life. It's just such a yeah. great moment. Like, so great. And he, it he's is, just too. like being a big baby. Like, no, I'm supposed to win. I'm supposed to win. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's it, it's great, too, because it's that sort of poetic justice for Luther that you always like to see. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he's, he's that guy that thinks he's, uh, you know, so perfect and so wonderful. And then when he's really faced with you know, you sort of like get in that moment what he doesn't understand about Superman and what makes Superman special isn't just his strength, but, you know, to your point, his willingness to, you know, put it all on the line for everybody. So it's time for recommendations. And I'm really excited this week um, because we have you as the guest, John, and what you will recommend to everybody this week. Well, uh, I actually just had the pleasure of seeing uh, They Shall Not Grow Old by Peter Jackson, where he restored the uh, the documentary footage and the oral history audio of people who had been through World War One, And he did it as a tribute to his grandfather. Well, I mean, he, he gave tribute to his grandfather at the end of it, but... I think that it's an incredibly important work because World War One is sadly in the same realm as sort of the Korean War, where people have lost sight of its impact and its horror. And I think that this film did an incredible job of bringing that to light. And it's an incredibly... I keep using the word incredible. It's a deeply affecting work and absolutely masterful in terms of the technology brought to bear. Can't recommend it highly enough. Just masterful work. I will 100% concur with you. I, you know, I saw that in, in the theater. I was able to make one of the Fathom events last year and it floored me how good it was and, and just how, like you said, I think affecting the, the footage is to see that, um, in a way that truly brings that war and those people to life. Um, I will also say, I think that the part of that that they did so well was that Peter Jackson and the company together, they did not put any agenda into what they portrayed. Mm-hmm. They just allowed these men to literally speak for themselves because everything you hear are recordings um, that the BBC had uh, and uh, the... Um, uh, the, I think it's the like the National Archives uh, in in Britain had, um, and so there there is no agenda other than allowing these men to speak for themselves, which I think that's the key. Um, you know, it, it's not somebody trying to make a film through their lens, looking back. You know, no, we're just seeing it through their eyes and through mm-hmm. their words. And so, uh, yeah, just go get it, get a copy of it, see it. It's wonderful. Um, I'm going to recommend everybody a, a, a little movie that had come out, um, not, uh, that just came out recently. It's called the peanut butter Falcon and it has Shia LaBeouf in it as well as Dakota Johnson. And it is a delightful movie. Um, it is a movie, um, that I enjoyed thoroughly from start to finish. It's a smaller film, but it's definitely out there playing right now. Uh, Shia LaBeouf gives a great performance 
uh, in the film. Uh, Dakota Johnson is actually great as well. Uh, and so, you know, if you only think of her as being the girl who was in Fifty Shades uh, type of movies, no, she was very good here. And um, it it's just a great movie about... It, it's, it's really a fantastic movie about the struggle of, of trying to be a good man in, in a world where it's not easy to be one. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. I had such a good time with it. It's funny. It's heartwarming. Uh, you'll leave the theater with a smile on your heart. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. Isn't it, uh, aren't parts of it at least loosely autobiographical, uh, for Shia LaBeouf? I thought I'd read that somewhere that, that some aspect of it was based on like his real dad or something. It's possible. Um, I, and, and, uh, I say that because I don't know too much. Okay. Oh, that's in the sense that I haven't read the behind the scenes stuff. Um, I just uh, it was a movie that um, you know our friend on Twitter Yancey uh, had seen and is really excited about, and so I saw the preview and kind of uh, fell in love with the idea of seeing it, and and then saw it and was was pleasantly really surprised just how good it was. So uh, awesome. yeah, but John, um, you know, I'm really glad that you were on the show. It's so much fun having you back. And uh, if anybody wants to, you know, catch up with you, see how things are going with you and uh, see what else you're up to, where could they find you? Well, they could theoretically find me on Twitter as Kessel Junkie. Uh, I'm also active on Letterboxd under the same name. Basically, if you look for Kessel Junkie, that's my brand. You'll find me uh, even on Vero from time to time. And you can find me over on the Nerd Party Network co-hosting two shows. One is called Retro Perspective with Trek FM's own uh, wayward son mike schindler where we're going through the releases of 1994 one week at a time and i am on a delightful little show about star wars called aggressive negotiations with a rapscallion of a co-host matt rushing and matt where can people find you <laughs> well you can find me uh you old moof milker over on uh <laughs> vero instagram letterbox and twitter under the name matt rushing zero two I am here on the network when we get a chance. Chris Jones and I are talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, on the Orb. And then on the Nerd Party Network, I do another show. It's called Owl Post with Drea Kaufman. We're talking about Harry Potter one chapter at a time. And we, in fact, we just finished The Order of the Phoenix. So uh, we will be diving into the Half-Blood Prince soon. And then last but not least, you can find me doing Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney. And that is where we talk about films but through the lens of faith. And we would like to say thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) ¶¶